Hey guys, welcome back to Classic Sundays. I'm here with Chantel and Lena, and this week we watched Schindler's List, which was Lena's choice. Um, so any traumatic experiences that we have received, we will be sending you <laughs> our um, our therapy bills. <laughs> but um, to get into the plot of the movie, um, it's about a business ugh, a businessman, Oscar Schindler who was played by Liam Neeson. Um, and he arrives in Krakow um, in 1939, ready to make his fortune from World War II, which just started. After joining the Nazi party, primarily for political expediency, he staffs his factory with Jewish workers for similarly pragmatic reasons. When the SS begins exterminating Jews in Kharkov ghetto, um, Schindler arranges to have his workers protected to keep his factory in operation, but soon realizes that in doing so, he is also saving lives. So let's just get into it then. Um, I would call it a very necessary movie, and I would call it a movie anyone who dares to call the Holocaust no big deal, a movie that you tie that person down and force them to watch kind of movie. That's the way I view it. Um, I thought the movie was great. I thought Liam Neeson, I can't speak today, did a phenomenal job playing Oscar Schindler. I wish the wife had more of a role in the movie. Because um, she did, actually did okay, have good, good, good. I was gonna say, did you know that? Role yeah. yeah, she like made hospitals. She, yeah, she actually set up a hospital with the last Jews that were imported to their factory, like sent to their factory towards the very end of the war, because those workers were so sick they were incapable of working, and she actually set up a hospital basically, and she took care of everyone. So she actually much bigger role in that um and um what's his name shoot Which he one played in kingsman he played the duke in kingsman. oh he's the accountant i forgot his name no his... not him not the accountant no he played amon um in the first ones or which ones no no no. the the actor was in the first kingsman oh. second kingsman or third kingsman last one. Oh, so he's the one that played Voldemort. Um he played Gore Ralph Fiennes. Ralph Fiennes played Amon Goth and Amon Goth was the only Nazi also who was um not just tried for uh war crimes but also murder because Amon Goth was the most along with the doctor that experimented on people, he was the most nightmarish person you yeah, could I ever encounter. A freaking psycho. And yeah. um, Chris was the one who brought it up that apparently some of the survi- Schindler's Jews, the survivors, were on the set and he did such a good job because he's a phenomenal actor mm-hmm. that they started having PTSD. But they also said that you couldn't actually go far enough with how bad he truly was. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy was the stuff out of nightmares. And they did. At the end of the movie, they show 
that they hung him and that was actually true he was hung in that camp um and that which was camp was he in was it auschwitz or which it wasn't auschwitz which no camp? it wasn't auschwitz it wasn't buchenkau uh, Buch, uh, i don't remember what camp it was it was the um what was it i don't want to mispronounce it schindler's list would you know Camp Chantel? Mm-mm. I'm I looking it up right now. I'm looking it up right now. Whoop. Plaskow. Plaskow. Oh, you were faster. It than was me. in Plaskow and Krakow. And um Yeah, Plas Plaslow, yeah. yeah. And that was so the reason I picked this movie was because I had for my book discussion just reread Ellie Wiesel's Night, and I read uh, Mouse by Art Spiegelman. Coincidentally, is that the one that's um uh, the comic book? Yes. Okay. Yeah, Mouse is also banned. Um, I'm sure they would try to ban Night, but Ellie Wiesel actually won the Nobel Peace Prize, Uh so I'm sure people would get even more up in arms at that. Um, but that was a thing. Um. That was detailed in both Night, if I remember correctly, and for sure Mouse, that they would just hang prisoners. And you would have to, the other prisoners would have to watch while they did that. And so I thought that was very just, but also probably not enough for what a horrible person Amon Goth was. But I thought that was also very fitting that they... He was treated to the exact same death sentence that, that the prisoners he tortured were. Um, we did not. I watched pretty much everything and I ran out of time. Plus, <laughs> Chris refused to watch past the point where they were taking the kids to get to the gas chambers. Mm-hmm. Um, I only convinced I after a lot of arguing, I finally was able to convince him to watch the last like, 10 minutes of it. Um, because he flat out refused uh, because he didn't understand what was happening until I explained like that that's what it was um, and he he couldn't do it he's like as a dad I, I cannot imagine but that was the thing unfortunately with the Nazis as children were expandable and only as good as their purpose they were all mm-hmm. because they were they were willing to kill their own children if they didn't fit into the propaganda. Mm-hmm. Forget anybody else's. Um, there are a lot of reports coming out after the war that um, when the Nazi like higher ups knew the end was coming, they not only committed suicide themselves, they also killed their children. Mm-hmm. So they were absolutely insane. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a very, very good movie, very good acting, but a very, very difficult movie. So, Not yeah, the the attention to detail was definitely there. Like even with like the Tombstone Road, mm-hmm. yeah, there's evidence that that may have actually happened because um, they're they were finding like tombstones kilometers like away from like the actual Jewish cemetery, um, and they they proposed. Which I thought was interesting that the movie even went so far as to like include that. 
Um, but they proposed that the, they were using tombstones and turning them over so that people didn't know what they were as part of the road. Yeah. And then, like, like the Nazis were driving on, on them. Like, it's insane to think that, like, that you demoralize these people so much that you pull up tombstones and make them into, I just, I don't know, like, I have so many more, like, continue, Chantal, I'll, I'll go last. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Eamon Goat's comment when he was essentially talking at Helen in that scene and how he was basically saying she's not even an animal. Like, that's how they felt about the Jews because and nobody knows why Hitler hated them so much. Um, there's a lot of theories, but nobody really knows why. And... um they were a good scapegoat because mm-hmm. they were banned from so many industries that they did end up being the doctors and the financiers. But that's like that's the thing too. Right now, even is it's happening right now in Russia. Mm-hmm. Like the media, it's happening everywhere. It's so. Mm-hmm. It's like how do you not see this? Like what happened before is happening again because it's like you're you're seeing. It's like how do you have so much hate for a group of people that literally. Like what? What are they doing wrong to you? They're not touching you. No, but anti-Semitism yeah. has always existed because you're talking about a minor class, a minority that is well educated, well connected, takes care of each other for the most part, and they are other. Everyone loves a good scapegoat, mm-hmm. and in Germany, particularly. They were a great scapegoat for Hitler. In a way, I feel bad for Schindler because I did a little bit of research into his life. And after the war, mind you, he spent like one point something million, million dollars yeah. to save these people. He saved 1,200 people, which is amazing. But after <laughs> the war, he had not had one successful business or anything and he died in abject poverty he had to survive on what the survivors were willing to give him and I felt really bad because you look at his life and it feels like the entire point of his life was just to save this group of people Mm. and he did something that was amazing through bribes through sheer perseverance Perseveration. Yeah, I can't persevere. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you know, and, and he was buried on Mount Zion, the only, yeah, the only Nazi ever given that because you realize he kind of wasn't a Nazi. He was an opportunistic businessman. But he knew exactly what he was doing. And that was kind of what I liked about the portrayal of Liam Neeson's portrayal of him in the movie was you could clearly tell he was a businessman. But the entire time you knew underneath all that, his entire purpose was to save these people. To do as much good as he possibly could in whatever way he could. And he did it by just being a decent person. I don't know. I think um, there's a few more I decent people. Might not. I might not agree with you fully on that, but I'll be to wait until it's like 
when I go into my list because I wouldn't <laughs> say he was a decent person from the beginning, but we'll 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 go into that a little bit later. Chantel. Okay. Well, um, going into that you? now, <laughs> he um, I guess essentially as well, like the um, the whole point of this month was redemption theme. Yeah. So, do we feel like? schindler's acts of saving those 1200 people was that a enough of a redeeming factor to redeem his character because you're you're absolutely correct he was not he was not the most straight arrow at the beginning of the film let alone beginning of his life no no yeah because like like i wrote this because i was doing like a quick thing like i like how he goes from rich to poor towards in the movie um it kind of shows you how he went from seeing the jews as a um a commodity to help his business grow and like him to get like leeway with the nazis when he like really didn't care for them he didn't really see them as humans at the beginning of the movie they were they were jews they were what they were supposed to be but then i think a turning point for him was the red the red girl the little girl i think that was his turning point of when he started seeing them as not just commodities that are going to make him money and i think that at that point was when he really started making that comeback of like i need to be helping them and that's when the bribes started happening like the bigger the bribe the better so that's when you start mm-hmm. noticing him losing money and like selling gold i mean diamonds and jewelry and all this stuff like like how even um lena said like they didn't show his wife like but his wife was selling her own stuff on the black market for medicine like i think at least in the movie i think that was a turning point for him and seeing them not as just commodities and actually real people that he needs to help and um i think like i wouldn't say like maybe lena didn't mean it this way but like i don't think he was a good guy from the very beginning no no what i meant by that was he he did what we should all strive to do as human beings and not hated Mm -hmm. another person just for being whoever they are yeah you know he was not for any kind of extermination he was in it to make money like Chantal pointed out, he was not the greatest, uh, most moral of characters, but he wasn't there to kill people. Yeah, like he was, you know? he was selfish, materialistic, and he wanted. But money. that's about that's about. But that was the ended. worst I would say that he would be was because yeah. that was like his worst quality. I wouldn't say that he like, ever participated in what the Nazis were doing, but that would be his worst quality. Like he, in the beginning, he did not see them as people. And then you can see him kind of slowly growing into being like, these are humans that I, I cannot let. Like that's when he did the list and tried to save them. And then his like, what is it called? His accountant had to go to like the, what is it called? Um, the, the camp to try to convince um and like bribe well, him with like diamonds because and- he had no leeway in it. Like he was like going out of his way to like at that towards the end of the movie to help. Well, them. initially him off though was the fact that he was like I had all these factory workers and all of a sudden they're like dead and gone mm-hmm. so originally he his his motives were to keep his business running and profitable and then it slowly turned into oh hey they are human and maybe I should do something about it mm-hmm. I think his I wrote on here too like I think he kind of enjoyed his 
fame, if you will, being known as Um, when that one woman came to him, um, basically like told him like, you know what they're calling you, right? Um, a haven because everyone that's working for you is not getting slaughtered or disappearing or, you know, all of that. Um, on a lighter note, um, I thought it was kind of funny how they basically, he was basically represented as like a pimp because he couldn't decide which secretary he wanted to keep. So he kept them all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really funny. Yes. And uh, one thing, actually, with the secretaries, there's that scene where he kisses the girl who brings mm-hmm. the cake. Um, apparently, he went to prison for a short stint for that. Um, and Schindler? Goeth, yeah. Oh. Amon Goeth actually was the one who convinced the higher-ups to let him go. Interesting. Yeah. Well, so, Goeth? I thought that was Goeth. Yeah. Goth was I have a thing about Goth and his like um main. I thought I thought that was kind of an interesting little tidbit. Yeah. Um I don't know. I personally watching this movie, having read the two books, I cannot understand the sheer hatred you would have towards someone in to to hate them that much to kill them. And, I mean, we all know that the majority of the German people really didn't know what was going on. And by the time they did have any kind of inkling, they were too scared to do anything. Um, If anyone, those few who did have an inkling, you know, outside of the Nazi party. Mm -hmm. Uh What else? Like, Oh, sorry. Sorry, Chantal. No, he's good. Okay. Good. I was going to say, but at the same time, we all know that they wouldn't have done anything anyway, even if they knew about it. Mm-hmm. And that was the part to me that, like, it blows my mind and I cannot understand it. And I don't think I ever really want to understand how you could hate someone enough to kill a child mm-hmm. and not feel any remorse. Um, yeah. I, I just, I can't. It, it, it's yeah alright then, then let's go into ratings mm-hmm. Lena this you is your movie first. oh no but it was your movie your you movie, get to go first it's always the person who picks first I don't know how to rate this movie that's the thing no. I, I really have no idea how to rate it because it's not a film I, I ever think I'll be able to rewatch again you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it's a phenomenal film. Um, but I I don't know how to rate it really. It's unrateable. To me, it's yeah. To me, it's unrateable. To me, it's one of those movies you have to watch that okay. you should be watching because it really does a phenomenal job to show the horrors. But I don't. Yeah. How about you, Chantel? Then. Um, I'm going to, of the, this is now the 88th movie that we have watched, of all 88, I'm going to give my first 10 out of 10. Ooh, fancy. Um, I know, I know obviously the content of this movie was difficult to swallow. Um, unfortunately, well, or fortunately, 
like uh, I've watched enough World War II movies to understand what happened. Um, obviously, I didn't live it, so I don't. I'm not, you know, in that aspect. I'm not in their shoes. But this this movie was did it probably the the best adaptation to show what um, some of the horrors were of what had happened during World War II. I also felt like, um, I know Alyssa, you mentioned the soundtrack several times. I felt like the soundtrack was um, very well chosen and created. Um, I also felt like the cinematography choices of what they showed, of what they didn't show, of how they showed it, I felt like that really contributed to um, the viewer's experience, I guess, um, putting you in that seat. Um, and overall, I felt like there was more that could be done as far as like with Goth, as far as the um, severity of what he did. Mm-hmm. But I felt like this was a very, very, very good um, showing of World War II. Um, and I felt like it was, of the movies that we have watched thus far, I felt like it was the best um, filmed movie. Okay. I would have to probably agree with Chantel. Um, I have some stuff to say during the classic or not, so I'll just wait for that, but I feel like Chantel kind of put it in, like, Lena, too. Like, it's it's almost unrateable. Um, and if I would have to read it, I would put it as, like, a 10. Um, it is a, a very, very good movie um, that everyone should watch. So, all right. Um, let's jump into fun facts. Fun facts. <laughs> Do we want to call them fun facts? Um, let's put in historical facts. <laughs> We're this, jumping I, into I would, historical I would, facts. I wouldn't name it historical facts, though, because it's not necessarily covering necessarily the history. Movie facts. Let's movie facts. Movie yeah. facts this time. There we go. All Let's right. jump into movie facts. <laughs> um, all right. So I have five for us this week. Um, so at his insistence, the director's insistence, Steven Spielberg, um, all royalties and residuals from this movie that normally would have gone to Steven Spielberg instead were given to the Shoah Foundation, which records and preserves written and videotaped testimonies from survivors of genocide worldwide, including the Holocaust, because he felt like it would be blood money to be receiving royalties um, and residual money from uh, this film. That's really good. I'm sorry, can I quick like interject? Is Steven Spielberg, he's Jewish, right? I don't know that for a fact. I'll look it up. While you're doing the next fun fact, I'll look it up. Yeah, go ahead and look. Yeah, go ahead and look that up. Um, I thought that was very, I thought I thought that was very fitting, um, for the the content of this movie. Um. All right, so the red coat girl that we noticed and uh, mentioned. So the shots featuring the red coat girl came from a story that Audrey Hepburn had told Steven Spielberg while they were filming her final movie called Always, 1989. She told him of an incident during World War II where she saw a little girl with the same attire while the other people were loaded onto trains. 
That moment was forever etched in her memory and it struck Spielberg when he made this film. Due to the amount of violence and horror depicted, Spielberg made Olivia Dabrowski, the name of the red-coated girl, and her parents promised him not to watch the film until she reached the age of 18 in 2007. True to what he said, she was horrified of the result when she violated the promise at the age of 11. Because if you guys recall, she wasn't looking at what was happening behind her or beside her. She was just like walking forward. Yeah. All right. Let me quickly put in. um, So Steven Spielberg is a Ukrainian Orthodox Jew. Um, His parents were a pianist and an engineer. So he's actually a Ukrainian Orthodox Jew. Nice. All right. And so this film probably was very emotional for close him. Close to heart, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, Steven Spielberg also was able to get permission to film inside Auschwitz, but chose not to out of respect for the victims. So the scenes of the death camp were filmed outside the gates on a set constructed a mere image of the real location on the other side. Hmm. I felt like he really took a Time. lot of... Well, time, but I, I feel like he he had a lot of respect for the Jews that had gone through this. Um, and I like with the money, like he he wasn't taking any residual money from the film um, and then purposefully like making sure like he mirrored the image like of the of what Auschwitz was, even though he had permission to film there and it would have just been easy to film there. He chose not to on purpose. And I kind of understand that. Like, it's like, I wouldn't, even though he got permission, it almost feels like disrespectful to be filming in some place that is, I don't want to say sacred, but is so traumatic to people's history. So I can understand why he wouldn't want to do that. Like, that's valid for him. Maybe, but it it would have been easy. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been easy to do it, though. But it's very commendable that he chose to go the hardest and the more right route i guess if you will Mm -hmm. um all right so during production the atmosphere was so grim and depressing that steven spielberg asked his friend robin williams if he could tell some jokes and do comedy sketches while spielberg would watch episodes of seinfeld 1989 (laughs) some of williams sketches while playing while played through the speakerphone to the cast and crew, ended up being part of dialogue material for his character in Aladdin, 1992, The Genie. Oh. Oh, wow. Did not know that. Interesting. I wonder which... That was good of him, too, to try to keep people's spirits up while filming this film. Yeah, it would be very depressing to be on that that film. Uh, Definitely. Yeah. I'd like to to know how... Ralph Fiennes survived getting into the head of a mongoose. <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah, <laughs> traumatic to oh. say the least. Yeah, no, agreed. All right, and so for my final fun fact, final movie fact, sorry, the Krakow Ghetto liquidation scene was only a page in the script. But Steven Spielberg turned it into 20 pages and 20 minutes of screen time based on living witness testimony. For example, the scene in which Leopold, oh God, I'm going to butcher this one, Pfefferberg escapes captured by German soldiers by telling them that he was ordered to clear the the street and saluting them was taken directly from his own account. Oh, wow. I, I don't know. I feel like I'm, 
I didn't cry during this one, though. I think maybe because it didn't surprise me. But that almost make like, things that happened and it didn't surprise me. But I think that that's also kind of sad and depressing because we've, I've heard enough about World War II in school and in other movies that, and or just television in general, just becoming more like violent and everything, that it didn't phase me so much, even though I knew that obviously this is history and this is, um, this happened. I, I did cry. I cried at the girl with the red coat. It reminded me way too much of Alita. Mm-hmm. Oh, way yeah. Because she's just nearing that age that, you know. And I, I, it, I, I did cry. And even though I had literally just read and I, I bought Mouse because, you know, and it, those are all of those accounts are you literally can see that Art Spiegelman's dad and Ellie Wiesel were pretty much at the same camp. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, this movie was set in a camp not far away from it at, all at the same time. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, how, it's, are we, how are we going to be able to catch up like our kids, like Alita when she's of age and eventually when we have kids like how are we going to be able to catch up all of our like catch up our kids and all of these like films like schindler's list that like need to be watched but like all these movies are coming out you're gonna have to take responsibility i mean you start you start with those conversations by just having conversation about what's said in school for example um my brother in high school they he was they were talking about the war and about other things and he asked he's like what's going on like there was something political thing that was happening too he's like what's your what are your thoughts what's going on because he wanted to have a more outside perspective than what's and just cool, by yeah. being open and by letting your kids ask those difficult questions and not shying away from them is how you have those conversations. Now, this is not a movie that I would want anyone, like any Alito or if any other kids, you know, we have watching before they're 18, 20 years old. Because Schindler's List, I think, unless you're truly, like, unless they're truly understanding or you're, they're going down the wrong way, it's such an eye-opening, difficult film that, but, you know, at the same time in our household, we do collect propaganda. We've got some German propaganda, but we also very, like, very starkly have it, the, uh, the news headlines talking about, you know, the Soviets confirm Hitler's suicide kind of thing. Very I feel like clearly I was... showing that history of going this is what they said but this is what the reality was i feel like a film like this i would have them actually watch in like high school yeah because i i don't i i don't want for me i don't want them to 
kind of go off to college like I did, um, where everything just kind of opens up and you start like understanding the world around you more when you go to college. Yeah, I don't, I kind of had that, but I also, for me, it was, I'll admit a little bit later just because like Alyssa knows our, it was a very, very closed sphere, you know, kind of had church, we kind of had home and that was, and we had school and that was sort of it. I think, I mean, our teacher, my English teacher in high school did make us read night. So Mm -hmm. that was sort of my first introduction. And my dad actually took us to the Holocaust museum. So Mm. for me, so I wasn't without introduction to that. And like, for me, because we have the books right there, because we've got the stuff right there. I think for like, at least for Chris and I, it'll be just an ongoing conversation because we're not planning on shielding our kids really all that much from the stuff that's happening because we believe that the more education they have, the more explanation they have, the better they're going to have tools to think independently for themselves and to handle what's going on. So mm-hmm. um, for me, I think I would I would probably do probably even middle school, to be honest. Um, I would probably... Yeah. I, I don't think... I mean, I, I understand like eat everyone to their own, but I don't believe in um, coddling and sheltering. I'm not saying that that's what you're doing, um, Lena. That not, in no way I'm saying that, but for me, I did grow no, up a little I, differently than you. I was very much on the know. I knew a lot of stuff that before other people did, just because of how crap happened with my mom. Um, so when people were, you know, playing with their dolls, I was getting the sex talk because my family was so afraid that I was going to end up like my mom. So I was a wasn't little bit... your mom 24? Yeah, but she was unmarried and oh it's like a yeah. whole thing in like the culture so okay. for me like I my mom was quite open with me about certain things and that's why for me like I, my family never shied away with for with certain things at least my mom never did um and so for me it's like I am the type of person that even with Natasha I was very like open with everything with her I I feel like I personally would want I obviously a certain age like I want them to kind of have that like cognitive thing too because like they might not understand like an 11 year old definitely probably isn't understanding it but like I would say like 14 would like 13 is like when their puberty is starting to hit and I feel like this would pretty be like a really good detrimental thing for someone to watch because then Mm -hmm. they're understanding how like one side of the coin can be very disgusting about the human race and I feel like that is like a very good thing to have. Mm-hmm. But I also understand like waiting and like having just like common For... conversations while they're growing up too, because kids are very quizzical. So if they're yeah, if you're not answering say... your kids' questions, then that's on you. You know, like if your kids asking you a question, you shouldn't be like, Oh, you'll know when you're older. Because a lot of like Ukrainian people like don't want to talk about certain things because that's not a subject a child should know about until they're older. But then they're never gonna learn about it. So it's like, I do agree with like how Lena is like, if, if your child is asking, answer the question. And if it's a hard question, then the child's going to know that this is a hard subject and they're at least getting the information. And then if they want to learn more, then that's when you go and you continue with the conversation. And if, you know, like 
you're Alita's is 14 she's really like interested in this and i'm pretty sure like you might have a like be like okay like we can watch this but it's very traumatic like you might not like it like we can stop anytime but like like you said th- there'd be a leading up to it it wouldn't be like something that lena's gonna be like or like you know you're not gonna be like hey let's watch this like it'd be no it would probably be a build up to a point to that point so if there was j- yeah. bad enough behavior but it all depends on i wouldn't even kid. say bad enough behavior i think it's more inquisitive like if you're if your child is yeah but if interested if you have a child that's spewing anti-semitic rhetoric because oh, that's well, what they're hearing yeah. that's a different story yeah yeah but, but like i said for us part of the difference is we have that stuff you know yeah. we we've you got have stuff around the house around the yeah and in the library yeah. our little book area those books are right then and there i don't block off any kind of books from i'm not I, we never plan on blocking off any kind of books i've got our books showing classical art and which obviously is going to include nudity i've got we've got these books we've got fairy tales you know including Grimm's fairy um, tales, which are grim. let's let's kind of um start like wrapping up because we're at 75 minutes and oh, it's getting pretty long so and Chantel's phone's about to die yeah. let's yeah. um let's jump into <laughs> classic and then get out um <laughs> i don't want to interrupt but like we're 75 minutes or we're gonna be in six seventy six. so all right Chantel, go up hurry up <laughs> <laughs> all right is Really considered a classic based on the following criteria. Acting, music, dialogue, attention to historical details, costuming, scenery, and did it have a cultural impact? What do you think, Lena? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it did. Just a little, you know? <laughs> it, I definitely think it definitely had a massive cultural impact. I mean, obviously, he spent a lot. Spielberg put a lot of detail into this film. There's a lot of attention paid to in during the filming. So yeah, I, I definitely think it was should be rated in that classic. Maybe the top ten classics. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. All right. I'm Chantel. gonna agree with you. Classic. For all of the reasons I mentioned when I rated it a ten out of ten. Yeah. Um I feel like it 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 definitely like prior to watching Schindler's List, I knew about even like the red coated girl. So like, cause that's like a, a scene that's very popular or a picture that's very popular that comes to mind when I think about Schindler's List in general. Um, so even like that little like piece goes to show like how, how far I guess the arms reach for this movie out into the general public. Mm. You put it far more eloquently than I ever could. I <laughs> would agree with you guys. I really don't have anything else to add. I, I think this is a classic. And I I actually think I would probably watch it again, to be honest. I feel like I might have missed something, you know? Like, this movie is so hard to watch, obviously. And I feel like I I would definitely probably rewatch this movie just so I can see what else I could catch that I missed the first round. Um, so, yeah that's that's my thing and i guess next week we're gonna do our month theme and we will see each other next week yes yep all right i'll talk to you guys later all right bye hey guys thank you for listening to the episode 
I just wanted to remind you guys that we post every Sunday. So I hope to see you guys next weekend. Thank you. Bye.